Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. I am so excited about today's guest. She really does inject the humour into everyday motherhood and to being a woman. She's a comedian, she's an author, a Sunday Times best-selling author, no less. It's Sophie McCartney, a.k.a. Tired and Tested. <laughs> Hi! Hello! I think now is a really good time to confess that when I first saw your Instagram handle for quite a long time, I was so tired and tested that I read it as tried and tested. Yeah. And I know that it is a play on that. It is my a play. tired and tested mind, it turned into that. Yeah, it was a slight error on my part because I did exactly that. I was like, oh, tired and tested, tried and tested. And then just didn't foresee that actually everybody would just read it as tried and tested. So I think there is actually, I think there's a Facebook page. I for, thought it was just a me No, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Every radio interview I do, everything I do, it's Sophie from tried and tested. And then I'm like, oh, oh, oh. 
height, it's tired. I can't correct anybody. So I then have to live <laughs> as tried and tested. And there is somebody else who is tried and tested and they have a lovely Facebook oh. page. They have a lovely Facebook page, but lots of people go there thinking that that's me. And they go, look at all these lovely days out. And I'm like, okay, but that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> tired. Well, I did tired. the same with scummy yeah. mummies, and I thought scummy mummies were scrummy mummies for quite a long time. <laughs> so it's definitely my brain just doesn't. It's, it's very tired. Well, yeah. I mean, we haven't picked the right audience, have we? For like tired mothers, just to confuse them even further. So yeah, sorry, my bad. I should have just stuck with Sophie. Nobody actually knows my name is Sophie. I should have just gone with Sophie McCartney. That's just what I should have gone with. I think whenever I talk to anybody now who's like, oh, have you got any advice about how to set up doing something like what you did? I'm like, just use your own name. <laughs> just use your own name. Really? Yeah. But then I think if you don't know what it is or if you do know what it is, it says what it is. Do you know what I mean? It lets you know yeah. that you're in for a bit of a ride. That's it. That's it. No. Yeah, it is. Once you've actually understood it and you've got there and then... You- <laughs> You're there. Once you're there, it's great. It's just the getting there. Sometimes I would say that you're one of like the OGs when it comes to doing what you do. Yeah, well, do you know what? I, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it was about 2017, I think, which doesn't make yeah. me kind of too long in the tooth in the game. But yeah, I've been here for quite a while. I was before you TikTok. on Facebook, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pre-TikTok. But did you start on Facebook and then move over to Instagram? Yeah, so I started Facebook first. And then, I mean, Instagram was quite soon after. But to be honest, I didn't really didn't really do too much on Instagram. I didn't understand Instagram, whereas now Instagram is, is my life. I was like, why are all these yeah. people just posting stories of themselves? I, did, I, I was like, I don't get it. And Twitter, never did Twitter. I was famously once quoted as saying Twitter would never catch on. I was like, what is this? Twitter will <laughs> never catch on. <laughs> and now we have threads. Anyway, so Twitter, Twitter side of death. It doesn't matter now, so it's all good. So yeah, Facebook originally. I think probably what I liked about Facebook was that it kind of felt quite community yeah. And it felt like a, a big group of us mums and and I'd post pictures or I'd post videos and then everybody in the comments would start off other little kind of threads of conversation that other people, and sometimes I wasn't even part of those conversations and just other people yeah. who followed would just be having lovely little conversations with the people who were in those groups. So yeah, Facebook felt like quite a safe place for me. And then when I started doing longer form content, so I would do kind of three, four, five minute videos. I'd do lives. I'd be on for kind of 40 minutes at a time. And Facebook favours, favours the length. And so I found that actually I could progress and grow quite well on Facebook as opposed to Instagram. It was kind of learning two different platforms really and trying to see where I sat. And kind of now I feel like I sit across both of them, but I just have to adapt what I do accordingly for both of them nowadays when I have the time. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? So I grew up in Liverpool, and I know I don't sound particularly scouse, but if I was very drunk and very angry right now, I would be incredibly scouse. <laughs> or just <laughs> shouting my husband's name whenever I go, Steve! That, that tends to be quite scouse as well. Or whenever I see my mum and dad, my husband's always like, oh, have you been to see mum today? And I'm like, hey, hey, you know, like, hey, hey. So yeah, Liverpool, I have some my mum, my dad, my mum's a primary school teacher, my dad had kind of various different jobs. I was growing up, he was a printer, he was a salesman. Um, I have an older sister, she's three years older than me. And yeah, we lived in Liverpool all of my life until I got to 18 and it was time to fly the nest. And I went to Leeds, met. I was very determined that I wanted to leave. I mean, Liverpool's a great yeah. city and I'd, you know, I had loads of friends there and a lot of my friends were staying. But again, I've always kind of wanted to hop about. And I mean, I do it this with houses as well. We buy a house and then a couple of years later, I'm like, shall we? <laughs> I don't know, there's just something in me that always kind of wants to 
jump on a little bit to the next and do things and and see different things. And so I was very determined I was moving away. So I went to Leeds to go and do public relations, not pubic relations, which my dad was very concerned about. (laughs) (laughs) Although to be fair, there was a little bit of that. There was a little bit. uni days of course there was exactly (laughs) it was the early noughties you know I'd I'd gone to an all-girls church of England high school you know I had seats to sew so (laughs) I had a great time at uni I um, I got a tutu in public relations and then (laughs) I got a Desmond but I had a great time doing it and then met my husband there my to-be husband and so you know I feel that it set me on a course that I was meant to be on it was my trajectory that yeah. I was meant to go to Leeds Met I was meant to get very drunk at Thursday night in a club called Evolution and I was meant to meet my husband after one too many Apple VKs with a cheeky shot of vodka in so how far into uni experience did you meet him so he was in my third year which I feel was actually quite a good time i we yeah. both had a lot of fun, some more than others, Steve, uh, with kind of meeting, <laughs> meeting other potential partners and, you know, and yeah, he felt right. And yeah, we were, I think it was September. I think we'd only just come back and we started dating and, and that was it. He was my person. I latched onto him yeah. and wouldn't let him go. And well, so that was what, 2004. So my gosh, nearly 20 years into yeah. Steve being held hostage in a relationship. He can't <laughs> And did you stay up north after that or did you come? Yeah, stayed in Leeds for about another year. I love Leeds. Uh, So Steve's a physio. So he started working in the NHS and he got a job down London Way. And then for me, because I was in PR, it actually just made quite good sense. So off we packed to follow our dreams of earning 12 grand a year in the big city. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not being yay! able to yay not being able to afford to eat drink we couldn't actually even live in London we lived in Watford and I claimed it was London because we were, we we had the end of the metropolitan line and my theory yes. was that if you had a tube stop you lived in London so went around telling everybody that I lived in London when actually I lived in Watford and we did that for a few years he worked in football so he kind of bounces around and had been at various different clubs and we ended up in Norwich so we went and lived in Norwich for a bit but again this all kind of played very nicely into my wanting to move around so it was good fun we always yeah. get you know every couple of years we were in a different city so it's great you know meeting lots of new people different life experiences and then after that before we had the kids for we just a year I think after we got married we were married quite young child bride I was just turned 25 it was like a week after my 25th birthday yeah tied him in it's <laughs> <laughs> no escape and um and so we got got married and then we went and quit our jobs and went traveling for a year, just went, you know what? There's a lot of things that we want to do before we think about having kids. And we were still, yeah. still quite young. And so we jacked our jobs in and, and off we went and did a year abroad kind of backpacking. Well, I say backpacking, Steve had a backpack. I had a pull along case that I then made him carry. <laughs> the perfect traveling <laughs> essential, a roll along suitcase. Yes, with my GHDs. <laughs> All, all the essentials in all the awful backpacking youth hostels that he made well, me and Had in. you talked about kids before that point? And did yeah. you know that that year was kind of like, a, this is an R this year thing? Because that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. It might be something that we do again when we're older, when the kids have flown a nest. But I think at that particular time, we hadn't, I hadn't taken any kind of year out between going from high school into uni. And, you know, I wanted to see a bit of the world and we knew we wanted kids. We probably quite soon you know getting down Mm. to it so it was the perfect opportunity really and because at the time we were living in Norwich and it felt like a clean break to leave somewhere like that to go away for a year and then try and maybe move back a little bit closer to home because if I was having kids Steve was away a lot with work and I wanted to be closer to my mum and dad so we were like right okay let's go do this let's go see the world 
you know, go do exciting things, then come back and then think about babies. So we did that and then babies came along about a year after we got back. Did you start thinking about it and trying straight away when you got back or did you give it a bit of time? No, oh, no, actually, no, we got a dog first. We did that stupid thing that people do before they have children and they think that they're going to get a dog because it's going to help them become a better parent. <laughs> and then you get a dog and you go, oh my God, this is nothing like having a child. For one, you don't have a four-week-old child that goes and chews through electrical cables. So that was, it was a steep learning curve, but we have Millicent, our first baby, our fur baby. So yeah, so we had Mills, we, we bedded Mills in. So it was about, nine ten months after we got back that we yeah. then started and then I was really lucky I fell pregnant really quickly with Jack Steve was devastated he'd been told <laughs> he'd all been told all the happen. sex yeah all that all that tough nurture Randy Bonkin for months and I was like oh my god I've come off the pill I'm pregnant he was like what what is this I'm so sick don't touch me <laughs> <laughs> for the entirety of the pregnancy. <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah, and then that was it. And then that was Jack. And then they all just then came after after Jack. He was the gateway baby. Yeah. Can you remember getting pregnant that first time and seeing that pregnancy test? Oh, yeah, I, I didn't believe it. And do you know what? Actually, I say I was sick. I actually had no symptoms with Jack whatsoever up until I went for the scan. All my pregnancy since all my sickness came after the 12-week mark. And then I was horrendously sick up until about 30-something weeks with him. But up until actually going to the scan, I was convinced I was having a phantom pregnancy. Just there was, I didn't have sore boobs. I didn't have anything. And I was just so scared that I was going to go to that scan and there was going to be nothing because I did not feel pregnant. I must have done so many tests. And actually the first test that we did, we were on holiday in Portugal and Steve and I'd had a massive fight. We'd had a huge Barney. Uh, We'd had a hire car and I'd opened the door onto a wall and just smashed the side of the door in. <laughs> and he'd gone mad at me. And he was just like, oh my God, thank God, we're going to have to pay on the excess. And he's like, sorry. So we'd had this big falling out and words had been said and we weren't speaking. And we, we'd gone for dinner and we were both kind of sat arms crossed looking out of the window and not speaking to each other. And I was thinking, oh, am I so moody because I'm hormonal? And then I thought, huh, when was the last time I had my period? And then I'm sitting there kind of fuming with him also thinking I think I'm pregnant and then I was like oh no so then we had to go we had to go and find a pharmacy we were in this did um, you say that to him I was like oh I know yeah. you're really angry with me I was like oh. so ladies if you ever want to get yourself out of an argument that you've had with your husband or your partner tell them you think you're pregnant and then suddenly the walls come down quite quickly so we'd gone off to go and try and find a pharmacist in the, this beautiful town in the Algarve it was Lagos I think it is and we went and found this pharmacy uh, they did not speak a word of English it was quite a, a judgmental, I would say, older lady pharmacist who we looked, we must have looked quite young as well at the time, who was kind of eyeing us up and down and I'm trying to explain pregnancy tests, like the whole Bridget Jones, like, baby, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did, we got the test, went back to the room. One side of the instructions was in Spanish and the other was in Portuguese. And when we did oh, the- good. Yeah, it was really helpful. And then when we did the test, it came up as a very, very faint line as the kind of the, the second line and on the instructions there was a little bit that explained what that meant but it was in Spanish or Portuguese (laughs) so Steve had to take the test and the instruction leaflet down to the receptionist to go and ask him what it meant and then so the receptionist and Steve knew that I was pregnant before I was pregnant (laughs) and then Steve just came back to the door with a bottle of champagne that the receptionist had given him and he was like yes and then I was like, did you bring me Pringles? Because I can't have that. I was like, <laughs> where's, where's my treat? No, okay. So he drank a bottle of champagne, fell asleep on the bed. It's 
great. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after years and years and years, though, of being students, of, you know, having that early adult life and then going travelling, that must have felt like a massive gear change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so I was, at this point, I just turned 28. Yeah, only just turned 28. And nobody else that I knew was pregnant. I was the first of all of my friends to even get married and then think about babies and just nobody else seemed to be at that stage in their lives. People had met partners a bit later on, people were still single, people just didn't even have it on the radar. So I was kind of there on my own going through the motions, just grossing them all out with my, you know, weird pregnancy things. Being like, hey girls, guess what's just happened to me? Like taking a photo of something weird and they were like, I've got piles. Yes, yay. <laughs> and I think probably my only friend was the kind of the mum's net forums. And I think they just terrified me more than actually anything else. I had the, you know, what to expect when you expect in book. I had all, you know, all yeah. of that, that I was trying to swat up and do things on my own. Went to NCT classes and I was actually, it was the youngest in my all of my NCT classes, which I wasn't expecting. And then I think I then just felt like quite the young, inexperienced one. And so I felt actually quite isolated and alone I think during my first pregnancy because mm. I just didn't have anybody else to share it with and go through it with yeah. which then actually when I did have Jack that then carried through into my first pregnancy because again I didn't feel like I'd made a good kind of connection with anybody really that was in the group who didn't I didn't you know really have I'd go and do the kind of the odd coffee or two it just kind of felt like I was like oh hello I'm just talking to you because you have a baby as well and yeah. you know I kind of like forced friendships and, rather yeah than, exactly yeah. and if we did not have these children right now we'd have nothing bar the weather there would be nothing else to talk about right now so yeah I just I did I felt a little bit kind of on my tod a little bit with him and it probably wasn't until I had Evelyn number two that I'd already established some friendship groups and, and people have said it to me they just said oh wait till you first go to school and that's when all your friends come and that is so true because now all of my besties who I see day in day out they're all the school mums all the school mums yeah and that is now my that is my circle they are my people uh, how did you feel going towards Jack's birth oh I was so naive I do laugh about this and I do a bit in my set about how naive that I was because I was very very worried that I might not know that I was in labour <laughs> I was like <laughs> how would I know? And you do, don't you, beforehand, you're doing all this Googling of how they know that I'm in labour? What should I be the science guard? And then it happens and you're like, all oh, right, yeah, my head's spinning 360 degrees and I'm vomiting into a cardboard dish. Now I'm in labour, yay! And <laughs> it was my biggest fear that I would birth him at home like a cat under a table, that I wouldn't be able to get to the hospital in time. Steve was having to work as well. So he was on a course, he was down in London and he had to do this course. He'd just been given yeah. a green light to say that if I went into labour, obviously, fine, you can go. But if I wasn't, he would have to be there. And I was two weeks late. So it was all kind of like, don't worry, babe. You'll have had the baby before, you know, this happens. And I was like, great. So I'd have had the baby and you're going away for a week. But OK, cool, thanks. <laughs> and and of course, I went over. So I was two weeks over with him. I was ginormous, like pull of Jupiter ginormous absolutely huge and I kept having and how did that time feel from due date then like as each day went on awful fortunately he was a winter baby so at least I wasn't 
sweating profusely like I was yeah. with Nate over last summer and every week and you get more and more anxious don't you and just when's it gonna happen I think the anxiety as well of just thinking am I just gonna suddenly now go to the shops and just spontaneously go into labor because I'm just so far over now when is it gonna happen and it just didn't every day I kept thinking today's the day and it just wasn't and I'd had sweeps I'd had everything going on and he was just not shifting and then I was booked in for an induction on I think it's the Saturday and then the Friday I'd had a bit of a trickle of waters and I'd called up and they were like yeah come down so at that point I was like get yourself back up from London ASAP and even then though we went in and it was kind of it was so stop start even with the induction and I think once they'd induced me I was still about 24 hours after I'd started so in all yeah. in all I think it was about two days with the kind of ins and outs of labour and then the induction and then him coming out and then he was in emergency section so he just he was not coming for love nor money yeah and he was in emergency section because he was 10 pound 10. <laughs> oh my gosh Sophie! Oh, no. I know he was ginormous god love him I mean and he'd had the extra two weeks to cook it was only after he was born and Steve was like, oh yeah, well, all the boys born on my side of the family are all nine pound plus. And I was like, well, that would have been helpful to know like 10 years ago <laughs> at the point that we met in a club. I feel that that's your opening chat up line so that anybody that you're then trying to coerce into a relationship with you knows what they're getting themselves into. 10 pound, 10. He was like, my cousin James was 13 pounds. I was like, oh my God. So it could have been worse. It could have been worse. Yeah. So 10 pound, 10. And I had to be knocked out as well because things just, oh, really? yeah. I'd had um, had an epidural and that hadn't been sighted properly. So kind of, I could still feel on one side of my body. So when they then tried to do the section, they just tried to top it up through the epidural. And as they were right. trying to cut me open, I was like, <laughs> I was like, excuse me. I can feel that. And they're like, no, you can't. And I was like, no, no, I can't. They're like, no, it's more of a sensation. I was like, it isn't. I can feel you cutting me with a scalpel. So then they had to knock me out because then there just wasn't enough time to then try and do anything Let's about that. Just, on, yeah, okay, now night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, and then I felt actually really quite triggered and traumatised by that. The kind of the last things that I remember, you know, I, when, when that happens in that scenario, they have to give you something. This is all explained to me afterwards, but at the time I didn't know. Yeah. But they have to give you something to stop you from vomiting um, because they're giving you a general and normally you wouldn't eat before having a, a general. And so, you know, yeah. I've been chucking away on my ham sarnies in labour, keep your energy <laughs> up. And so they poured something down my throat. They kind of held my throat down for it to go down. They'd strapped my arms into this gurney. Steve was thrown out of the room and he'd been brilliant. He'd been very stoic up until that point. And then the minute that he was thrown out of the room and I saw the panic in his face and then I just yeah. lost it. And then I was unconscious. <laughs> I just lost it and then was asleep. And then when I came to... Steve was there holding him and he was like, it's a boy. And I was like, oh, I've been convinced it was a girl. It's a boy, oh. He was £10.10. 10. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no bloody wonder he wouldn't come out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Did it take you a while to unpick? the labour then yeah did you have to go back in and get it talked through it they offered me kind of phone counselling but at the time I was like I don't need it I don't need it I don't need it but retrospectively I did because I carried yeah that around with me for quite a long time and I only really realised the extent of how much I carried that around when we started talking about trying for baby number two and I would just spontaneously cry just at the thought of it and I think it was the prospect of having to go back in any kind of labour scenario about it. And I felt that I'd been really robbed of my birth experience. I felt felt like I wasn't present when he was born. I felt like none of his parents, none of his people who should have been there when he was brought into the room were there. Because Steve was out, I was out for the count and they were just strangers that brought him into the room. And, and so I kind of, I don't think I had postnatal depression. I don't think I'd go that far as saying that, but I definitely felt a slight disconnect especially in the first couple of weeks. And I don't know whether that was down to just being a new mum and not knowing what to expect or the fact that I was unconscious and I felt that I hadn't had the experience that I'd had in my mind. And, you know, when people say about the birth plan and this is what always, you know, anybody says, oh, if you've got any advice, you know, I'm having my first baby, you know, what kind of pearls of wisdom? And my biggest one is always just don't have a birth plan. <laughs> like you can have a, a rough idea in your mind of how you would like things to go down and your choices in certain things, but don't be so rigid in your mind to be like, I'm just going to have a vaginal delivery. I'm going to have, you know, all the drugs. I'm going to have none of the drugs. <laughs> have a backup in your yeah. mind and go, well, do you know what? If it doesn't go that way, I'm actually okay with another way of a baby being mm. born. And I then met people afterwards. And, and again, in this kind of NCT group where where people would ask me about what happened and there'd always be quite, quite a sympathetic head tilt or, you know, it was kind of insinuated that I hadn't done it properly. Oh, oh, you had a section. It was it was that kind of slightly condescending, oh, didn't do it vaginally. No, because I, I died. But I felt bad. I felt like I'd done something wrong. And as well, because he was big, this is also a really weird thing that happened. Because I guess people you don't really hear of, massive baby so he could have been bigger but he was quite large and I was felt or made to feel like I'd done something wrong so I remember after he was born some of the midwives on the unit came up and they wanted to come and have a look at the big baby and bear in mind I was a first time mum yeah. as well and then I'd taken him for his first round of injections and the you know when they're going through the red book and she'd seen his birth weight and she said oh my goodness what were you eating when you were pregnant and I was like it just compounded all these feelings inside of me. I'd done something wrong, that I'd produced yeah. this giant baby that I couldn't birth properly. It was my fault because he was big and I'd done something. I'd just, you know, been eating like a pig, which I hadn't. Um, and, you know, actually it doesn't really make that much of a difference. But anyway, yeah. but I, yeah, I just, I had all the feels, all the feels around his birth and kind of how things went down afterwards. And yeah, so that actually took me quite a bit of time to adjust to that and probably it was only after I had Evelyn and she was another emergency cesarean so I tried to do a VBAC with her because I had such a hang-up 
about the cesarean. Mm. The NHS were brilliant. They, they gave me a choice. They said, you can have a section if you have a section, but if you would like a vaginal birth, we're all for it. You know, it is possible. You've got a very high chance of being able to do this because you've only had one cesarean. You know, there are stats and figures that say this is totally yeah. fine for you to do this. I had growth scans with her. So we didn't know the gender of the baby either time. So, and I didn't want to know with Evelyn. So they said, we'll do growth scans. And, you know, if it is a girl, there's a chance that she won't be as big, like just genetically speaking, as a boy. So you stand a better chance of, of birthing a girl naturally anyway. So we had all the grade scans. She looked like a, an average size and she came about a week early and I still couldn't get her out. Um, so she ended up as another emergency cesarean. As it happened, I had an infection that she had had an infection and our hearts just went bonkers and they just went, nah, get this baby out. But I was awake. And so yeah. when she came out, you know, that was a slightly better, although still scary, it was a slightly better thing. And I think she was the turning point for me where I went, you know what? It doesn't matter. It does not matter how that baby has come out of me. What matters is that they are alive. Everybody is fine. Everybody came out of this the other end. And I don't really care if somebody gives me a sympathetic head tilt that I, again, didn't do it properly. I've got my baby. And, and, and it was probably, she was the turning point in that. And then I kind of was like, just let it be. And I'd had a bit of a bad recovery with her as well. I'd lost quite a lot of blood and the consultant came in afterwards and looked at my chart and he had a little chuckle to himself and he went, right, if you ever have a third baby, you are having a planned cesarean. I went, okay, I'm not having one. I'm not having another baby. Thanks very much. Cut, cut to the boring bit in between Christmas and New Year last year and, you know, hey. <laughs> And was that one a planned C-section? <laughs> no. So he well, no. Yes, no. well, he was actually technically an emergency section again. So he was booked in to be right. a planned section. I have not had proof. So Evelyn was a week early, but that was fine. But Nate came three weeks early. It was not an expected thing for that to happen. But I was so busy on the run up to having him. I was mid book writing, I needed to finish. So this was the picture, this, yeah. was, this was Mother Hens. And I'd sat down to start writing Mother Hens the day I found out that I was pregnant with Nate. And I was like, oh, this <laughs> isn't good timing <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> but, you know, can't beat a publishing deadline with, uh, you know, no. the, the pressure of a baby coming, can you? So that was probably the bigger deadline was the baby. So I knew I only had, you know, at that point, well, seven and a bit months to get the book done. And I had three weeks left to get it over the line and Nate went nah I I'm coming now thanks <laughs> see you losers I, I just thought I was having Braxton Hicks and I'd, I'd been in and out of triage for various different things because I'm a geriatric mother over the age of 35. I love it though like when you think of your whole journey of like starting and being the youngest and feeling you know yeah to be the old bird <laughs> yeah experience like that's it now I was just like oh whatever yeah, and he'd he come and I'd, I'd said I'd been for a big walk the day before with the, with the kids. It was in the school holidays, and I'd said to Steve, I got to bed. I was like, I don't feel right. I feel really niggly, and then I'd started cramping. I thought it was Braxton Hicks, and he was like, Call the unit. I was like, I don't want to call the unit. If I call the unit, they're going to make me go in. And he was like, Why are you bothering me with this then? If you're not, if you're not going to go into hospital, stop waking me up to tell me things. I was like, Okay. And then I called the unit, and they're like, No, you need to come in because that was a planned section. And I drove myself, and I got about halfway to the hospital. I know your face. I know I was the worst, <laughs> worst idea I've ever had because at that point I didn't know for sure. And Steve yeah. was with the kids and I didn't want to wake my mum and dad up who were 45 minutes away from us to get them to come over if I just had Braxton Hicks. So I was like, it's fine, babe, go back to sleep. I'll let you know when I get to the hospital, say what they say. And I'd got into the hospital 
yeah, they took one look at me and they were like, we need to get your baby out in half an hour. And at that point, I know, because they didn't... Why? Uh, at this point, I was contracting so quickly. I dropped down from kind of being really sporadic, like every five, seven, 12, 14 minutes all over the shop to being every two minutes. And oh, wow. their biggest worry was, I was only one centimetre dilated though, but their biggest worry was that I'd suddenly go from one centimetre to 10 centimetres. And they don't, because he was going to be a section anyway, regardless... They don't want you to be in full established labour because it's just so much yeah. riskier. So they were like, nope, half an hour, getting that baby out. And I was like, oh, so like calling Steve and wake him back up. I was like, no, get here now. He's running across the road, banging on the neighbour's house to come and get the neighbours to come and sit in with the kids. And yeah, so it was quite stressful. I called my dad, woke my dad up and he was like, bloody hell, Sophie, you've never been early for anything. And I was like, I appreciate the irony in the situation, but just get over to my house now. And then, yeah, little Nate, little Lady Chops was born technically another emergency cesarean so off the full sweep of a three emergency sections under my belt well and how much did he weigh he was eight pound but he was three weeks okay. early so jack had an extra five weeks in the oven more than nate did so nate would have come out yeah. possibly bigger i reckon than that so he well, don't they pounds. say it's something like half a yeah pound for every week they're in or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so he would have been ginormous but then bless him he was wasn't breathing because his lungs weren't formed oh. and he had to go to NICU and it was just it was a right old faff and a drama but again he just completed that every one of my children when they were born there was an issue they all did NICU they all had their time in NICU did they? all three of them yeah Evelyn had an infection so she had to do Jack was poorly um so he'd got some kind of infection as well so they've all all done a clean clean sweep of not a straightforward birth I know but that is it three and out we're not doing any more <laughs> no more shenanigans at Christmas time for Steve and I absolutely not we are I, my nerves cannot take it I cannot take it anymore yeah <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, that time will always be a little bit boring though, Sophie, so watch out. I know. I'm going to be watching the Call the Midwife special, aren't I? Going, oh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. You left it a while to, like, announce as well. Yeah, I did. And I think um, possibly because I was very anxious third time. So I'd had miscarriage during lockdown, Miscarriage is, is awful and in any situation. But I think because it you was during... You had another miscarriage before, between Jack and Evelyn as well. I did, yeah, yeah, I did. And that was probably what I would call maybe a bit more of a straightforward, kind of clear-cut miscarriage. Yeah. I was pregnant and then I just wasn't. And, you know, yeah. it was very... It was all kind of just very clear-cut. And then with the one that happened in lockdown... Uh, it was like almost like a silent miscarriage. So I'd had a tiny bleed. It was barely anything. And it just irked me. I was just, well, as it would, you'd see a bit of blood and you, you would panic. But then there was nothing. It was nothing like what had happened with the first one, which was very much like, oh, wow, something, something awful is happening and I need to go to a hospital. It, was not, it wasn't like that. And so I'd called my midwife. It was still all a bit too soon. I think it was, I was only about seven weeks, I think. So I hadn't had my booking in appointment or anything. And yeah. she'd got me an appointment. She's like, you know, because it's COVID, you can't, normally you would be able to just go to an early, early pregnancy unit, self-refer yourself. But she's like, you do need a midwife. She's like, well, I'll, I'll get you sorted. So she got me an appointment the next day. But it was at the point where you couldn't have anybody go with you. So I had to go on my own. By this point, I'd kind of talked myself around that it was fine because I'd had not had any cramps. I'd not had anything else that was alarming. And you know, I look at it now and I'm so plumbing stupid in my head. I was thinking, oh, maybe it's twins. Like maybe it's, you know, just something else. So I hadn't really gone thinking 
they're going to tell me something awful. And so I'd kind of, yeah. you know, Steve obviously wanted to come, but couldn't. And so I was like, it's fine, don't, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll be fine. And I got in there and they did the scan and, you know, they're kind of then a bit, they take a bit longer. And, and then they ask if they can, this is kind of the one like over your stomach. And then they ask if they can do an internal scan. And at the point they said, can we do the internal scan? I was like, something's not right. And basically there was a, a pregnancy sack and nothing was as big as it should have been for how many weeks along right. that I was. So at that point, they're like, you know, it's nothing to panic about now. Um, it could just be that your your dates are off um, and you're just not as far along as you think that you are. But I knew, you know, married mum with two kids. There was only like one point in the calendar in which it could have been. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I, I know. I know conception point and I know that this is how many weeks that I should be. And they're like, no, 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 no. But because there was a question... There was something there, but there wasn't a clear miscarriage. I had to go away for two weeks and just wait. So they said, what will happen is you'll either just miscarriage, you know, that it will just happen on its own. You'll miscarry on your own and that will be the end of it or your pregnancy will proceed. And so I then had to go away for two weeks and go, I knew in my heart of hearts that because I knew that the weeks didn't match up and I, I just knew, I yeah. just knew, but I had to live for two weeks of going but maybe and then in that two weeks it was just all the googling all the things that I shouldn't have done and just dealing with it all on my own really it was still you still couldn't see you couldn't socialize you couldn't go out and see your friends I told one friend and she'd come and she'd drop things around on the doorstep and she was very sweet but still nobody could come in couldn't do anything and then I went back and I had the scan and at that point I'd been so distraught for two weeks just the am I aren't I am I aren't I well surely you couldn't think about anything no exactly I think that would have been the case anyway but also during lockdown when the world isn't you know as it usually is yeah everybody just had heightened anxieties about everything didn't they during that time and um I'd already been very anxious thinking well what if I got COVID because at that point I hadn't had it what if I get COVID and I'm I'm pregnant what would that do to the baby because at that point nobody knew really did they and so yeah heightened anxiety across the board and I'd gone back for this scan finally counting every day down thought well you know what at least today I will know one way or another and then so again had to be on my own and they did the scan and there had been growth there was something there that wasn't there before but it was still way too small. So at this point, I should have been 10, 11 weeks, something like that, which, you know, you know yourself what a 12-week scan yeah, would look yeah, like. Yeah. You know, that yeah. is a fully formed baby jumping around. Yeah. And, and it wasn't that. But because there was growth, they couldn't do anything. They were like, well, in our eyes, there is progression. And it's not their fault. It's They are following protocol to protect everybody in, in that situation. They couldn't do anything. So they said, well, you have to send you away again and you have to go back and you'll either miscarry or there'll be further progression so I had to go away again for another week and give it another week and then come back again and then on the on that third time of coming back it was exactly the same and again I should have been 12 weeks at that point it was very clear cut that that was that but my body just didn't get the memo that something wasn't right so I was still I was sick I was my boobs were swollen I still had every symptom that I would have associated with a normal pregnancy but my body had just I felt like it was tricking me. I felt that, and and I felt really betrayed by myself that I didn't know. I was like, how can I not know that this is, you know, this would be my third baby. How would I not know that there isn't a baby inside of there? And so then, yeah, I had to have it because um, again, COVID times, it was quicker as opposed to having a Mm. procedure to remove what was there. I had to have the medical 
the tablets that, that you, yeah, it was they were inserted. Not, I didn't take them, and then sent home to miscarry at home, and then. That was awful. That went wrong. Steve ended up having to drive me to A&E. Again, technically, he shouldn't have been with me, but just most lovely nurse in our local hospital just said, I'm not letting you miscarry on our hospital floor on your own. And she just ushered Steve into a side room with me and they just looked after me brilliantly. And yeah, just she was, she, I know. And, you know, in that instance, and you just think like the kindness of strangers Oh. that you know she didn't have to she was going against hospital policy to do that but she just went mm. yeah human rights like that you're not doing that on your own and and that was that so after that happened I'd had actually said I don't yeah. want to do it again I don't want to put anybody else through it I didn't want to put myself through it I just was like I'm so lucky I've got my really? two babies and I am you know I'm, I'm more than happy with my lot I'm more than happy I just I couldn't and I think probably where Steve and I sat with a third was that neither of us would ever want to say, let's go for it and let's do it again. And so as it turned out, the way that it happened, I feel that Nate was kind of destined yeah. to be because yeah. we weren't trying for him. And it wasn't even so much of a, of a close call accident or surprise. You know, I'd, I'd yeah. randomly had a 42 day cycle of my period, which has never happened to me before. You know, when we look back and we counted as to, I should have been well past ovulation at the point of the, that bit in between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> and, you know, we thought that it was absolutely fine. And yeah. Um, yeah, my body had just held on for a little bit longer and ovulated later and there was Nate and Going back to it, I didn't announce for quite a while when I was pregnant with him because I was just, every day I was expecting something to happen, something to go wrong, yeah. and I just couldn't. I think once you've gone through that loss, that, you know, I do think it takes away the innocence, I guess, of pregnancy because you are waiting for it, you know. Yeah, definitely. And it takes the joy out of it. And I just yeah. think, you know, I was actually very lucky with Jack because I'd fallen pregnant so quickly and bar the sickness that I had with him, it, it was really easy, straightforward pregnancy. You know, birth went a bit tits up, but, you know, birth's never perfect, is it? And yeah. But in terms of, yeah, the naivety in that pregnancy of, oh, I'm pregnant and everything's mm-hmm. fine and lovely. And then the subsequent ones afterwards were, yeah, were not quite that fine. But, you know, apart from coming a bit early and I was getting out sick for most of the pregnancy but again it, it was all fine and so lucky and he is a dreamboat and I don't know whether it's like third baby you ship in or you ship out don't you but he got the memo <laughs> he got the memo and he's so good and we just see and I every day we just look at him and just go oh god like we're so lucky we're so lucky he's the best not not best than the rest of them everyone's no, of got course. their own qualities there's no favorites here of course obviously. no favorites here no favorites here apart you know from the 10 year old who hates me because I went buying bottles of prime the, to the gorgeous little you know ten, <laughs> 10 month old who just looks at me like you're the best thing ever I think when you've got older kids and you have a, a newbie a newborn you do soak it up in a different way like you've not yeah. got that I used to worry about every single thing with the first two, whether I was doing it right or not. You know, I had to put them in their cot because, you know, I didn't want to make a rod for you on my own back, which is what everyone used yeah. to say. Whereas third yeah. one, I was like, gosh, he wants to sleep on me. Yeah. Amazing. Let's lie down and yeah. lean into it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I've been like with Nate. And I think because I was so busy when he was born, because I hadn't finished the book. I hadn't finished. <laughs> so I had I gave myself <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> Nice. The worst of times, the best of times and the worst of times. But I gave myself two weeks 
postnatally kind of just rock in the corner and just get over what had just happened and kind of yeah just have my two-week little baby bubble but I was contracted I was on a deadline I had a publication date that we'd already pushed by Mm -hmm. uh, a month and so I needed to hit the second publication date otherwise we'd lose the window we'd have to wait a year so I just had to finish again for the next two months I was just head down trying to write trying to look after baby he was really refluxy I was not sleeping I think you know I was feeding him and then having to keep him awake and like upright after I fed him so he wouldn't vomit everything out and then I'd have to do that for an hour and by the time that hour had passed I then had to feed him again so I was (laughs) stuck in this cycle I was still having to write and I was seeing things that weren't there I was so sleep deprived at one point Steve was like what are you doing I was on my hands and knees looking for spiders because I could see black things out the corners of my eyes running around on the floor that were not there but I was so tired and I now fully understand that the phrase lost the plot because I just I got got to like chapter 28 or something and I was like nope (laughs) no idea so but I actually think that how I got to the end of mother hens I'm now actually retrospectively very happy with how it ended but it wasn't how I'd initially had it written yeah and I changed the ending and it went bonkers but brilliantly bonkers I thought you know I was like I was happy I was happy with the ending and yeah and then it did really well so I was like oh do you know what it all all swell that ends well but I don't recommend it people again they go well have you got any advice about writing a book I'm like don't do it pregnant Nope. I know. So, one that. of my, uh, so Paige Toon, who's one of my friends, she was telling me about writing one of her sort of bestsellers, her biggest hits, that she was writing before while she was pregnant and then chucked out like something ridiculous, like 40,000 words just before she had a baby. But she would then write with her baby in a bouncer, just like gently rocking him in the bouncer while she was carrying on writing. So I was like, well, that's what it's going to be like when I'm, like, I'm on yeah. deadline as well. When I had yeah. buzz, I was like, I'll just put him in the bouncer, bounce him away and type, oh no, that's never going to happen, ever. Buzz had different plans. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. How was it introducing the older to Nate? Oh, do you know what? It was lovely. And I was very worried because Evelyn, God love her, was not on board with a third baby, not on board. I'd obviously known that I was pregnant. And so I was then testing the water before telling them. And I'd kept trying to drop it in conversation. And it has been something that we'd floated about for years, but, you know, we'd kind of drop it into conversation with the kids. And she'd always been like, I'm the baby. It was that kind of, you know, no one's coming to steal my crown mentality. And so when I actually knew that I was, and I was trying to drop it into conversation with her, and she just got so fed up of me trying to subtly throw it into a conversation. She just turned around to me and she went, mummy, if you had another baby, you know, I'd just kill it, right? And I was like, oh, oh, oh God. God. (laughs) Calling Steve crying while he was at work, going, he's going to have to sleep with us till he's 21 because she's going to murder him with a pillow. (laughs) awful and then we told them so I'd I'd waited until I was 12 weeks I'd had an an earlier test I knew the gender I knew it was a boy and I thought do you know what actually you decided to find out this time around third time I'd had enough surprises Jay I was like (laughs) I don't need to know I don't need anything else to surprise I'm happy with my first initial surprise and again I get the third bit was just more logistics I was like yeah whose clothes am I gonna have to dig out of the loft for him it was, it was that kind of thing so yeah, yeah I, I did I'd want to know but also I felt like actually the most information I could give Evelyn ahead of the event I felt that that would help her mentally 
prepare for it because it'd be bad enough me going I'm pregnant and then losing it which she did and then going it's a boy if she'd wanted a girl and I just I was like no we just need to give them all the info up front let them get their heads around it and then they'll crack on we filmed it (laughs) we filmed it and I deleted it I had to delete it because it was that bad now I don't put the kids on social anyway but it was so it was for our own archives our own family memory no 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 oh my gosh so um jack was delighted unbeknown to us he had separately asked father christmas for a baby brother the last christmas oh. he'd asked he'd written a separate little list that he hadn't given us and he put it on he wanted a baby brother so he it's on 34th street i know i was like babe next year you're asking for like a nintendo don't be asking <laughs> don't be asking again so he was delighted she reacted probably how I thought, but just 10 times worse. She just erupted. She hit me. She threw herself on the floor. She was screaming uncontrollably. So she was six, just turned six at the point when we told her. And she just, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I wanted. And so on the video, all you can see is Jack standing there on his own going, this is the best day of my life. Nobody's near him. Nobody's even within a foot of him. Steve and I have both just thrown ourselves on Evelyn to try it like, like she's a grenade. We've just tried to just stop, <laughs> stop the hysteria. And he's just like, yay! On his, it just, it's awful. It's awful. So uh, Steve was just like, we can never show anybody this video. And I was like, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Let's just delete that. Delete it from the deleted as well. We're never going back there. And then it took about an hour to coax her out from under the kitchen table. By this point, so she's so hysterical. Steve's then crying because it's just awful. Jack oh. then starts crying because he's never seen daddy cry. So he doesn't know why daddy's so... So he's just crying. He doesn't know why because everybody's so upset. I'm hormonal crying. So all four of us are just sobbing and not in a good way. And then she only came round because I've got a balloon with the gender thing. So I asked if she wanted to the balloon. And she was like, okay. And off she went went to get pop the balloon. See, but I was just sitting there like, what is this? What has just happened? Why is she now like, yay, jumping on the sofa, popping the balloon, when she's just had an absolute, like, hysterical outburst for the past hour. And how does she react to having a brother? So when she popped the balloon and saw that it was blue, she Mm. was like, I wanted a girl. And we were like, oh, Okay, and then we kind of spun it. My old PR days, I was like, I'm going to flip this. I was like, but Evelyn, I was like, it means you're the only girl. And then she was like, oh, I was like, yeah. So we, we spun it, and then she was all, all right with it. But throughout the entirety of my pregnancy, she was she was very standoffish about it. Jack was all in, wanting to touch the bum, feel the baby move. Evelyn was like, no, that's gross. I don't want to be anywhere near you. She was just very, very cool about it. And <laughs> I was so worried throughout all of it that she was going to be the same. She just was not going to embrace this baby and she was going to yeah. try to smother him with a pillow and just... Ugh. And then when he was born, two days before, the hospitals had all changed their rules about COVID visitation. So they were allowed in because I thought, oh, again, right. this is going to be so awful if she can't come in to see if she's going to feel even more pushed out and even more like she's not part of it. So they changed it yeah. and the kids were allowed in. And I've got the most beautiful video of the pair of them walking onto the ward. And she is just absolutely elated her little face at seeing him and she goes to touch his head and then Jack goes and slaps her hand out the way he's like no Evelyn and she's like but I want to touch the baby and and she's there stroking him and I've just got the most beautiful pictures and she's so proud and happy in these pictures and now like Nancy Sharps is her favorite thing in life she hugs him and loves him to the point where it's a little bit you know excessive poor kid she comes home from school she's like I've seen his face he's like Ugh. 
<laughs> very nervous disposition. Um, and, she, and she loves him. And I've said to her since, like, well, what was it that you didn't, you know, that you weren't happy about, that you were so upset about? And she said, because she couldn't see. She didn't understand what was happening. She didn't like the idea that there was something growing inside of me that she couldn't see and she didn't know what it was going to do. But once he was out, that was fine. It was fine. So she loves him to pieces because he's out. But don't do it again. Oh. I'm like, it's time I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more a fear thing in, in that way that you're not going to have another yeah. yeah. I'm not. Oh, no, no. Evelyn is terrifying. I mean, as she should be. You've got to raise strong girls, haven't you? You've got to raise strong girls. So uh, it's a fine line, though, isn't it? Of them being independent and also just doing what you ask them to do when you want them well, to do it. But she's very feisty slash terrifying. Well, you're also, yeah. you're not allowed to sing at home. No, no. That is a big fat no, no. No, Disney. I'm not allowed to sing to Disney. Physically assaulted if I try and sing along to Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. The fist comes out. I'm like, oh, God, okay, I'm sorry. No, but she's never let me. Never. Even when she was really little. We both had, I, of course, I had a, a matching Frozen dress. I had full-size Elsa dress. And we would dance around the kitchen, obviously, as you do. Um, and Anna as well. I don't want to show off. When we do Frozen, she, there was no... Mm-mm. No, she would scream at me. I'm not allowed to sing along oh, to any mate. of their babes. I know. I'm hoping that it will get better as she gets older, but I've got a distinct feeling that it, it's not. Yeah. It's only going to get worse, isn't it, really, I imagine. So how old is everyone now? So Jack is 10, Evelyn is 7, and Nate is just turned 10 months. Oh. Yeah, we've got quite the uh, expanse of uh, And ages. are the older two helpful when it comes to Nate? They are, actually. The novelty has worn off a little, I have to say now. Yeah. You know, the new baby phase is gone and now it's like, can you just sit with your brother for a minute? <laughs> <sighs> okay, fine, sorry. But they will. They'll go and get a nappy for me. Anyway, Evelyn actually has changed a pooey one. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, she's come on leaps and bounds. Um, so they are good with him. And when he laughs, his biggest laugh is always reserved for the other two kids. Aww. And it's so sweet. And he loves them. And he's just fascinated by them. And, you know, he's trying to crawl at the moment. And he's just so desperate to get amongst them, which is going to be awful. I'm already just looking at everything around the house going, you die if you touch that, you die if you go. Like, Jack just leaves his Lego just strewn yeah. everywhere. The choking hazards are unreal everywhere. I'm just sitting in this room next and everything I can see it's a hazard. It's a hazard. So we're such a long way past the baby proofing stage. I'm going to have yeah. to go back and get all the gates on again because he's on the move. Brilliant. Which the kids must find fascinating. The fact yeah. that he's crawling, he's going to be standing up and walking. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, he's a real person, isn't he? At the point that yeah. he can toddle about and he's, you know, he's saying some words. Still not had a mama, which I'm not bitter interested about in the slightest. But it's fine because <laughs> in the night when he's lying there going da 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 da, I'm like Stevie wants you. Ooh, it's a crying shame. It's a crying shame. I'll just save it. It's fine. But yeah, a real person, real little person. And how have you found it? Have you found you're approaching it differently now compared to first time around with Jack? Oh yeah. I mean. He's just had to, like I said before, he's had to ship in or ship out with Nate. I mean, he's come at a point in my life where I'm busy and I wasn't particularly busy when I had Jack. I'd quit my job because I'd asked to go part-time and at that point it wasn't really the done thing to go part-time. I mean, I say that, I think 10 years ago, but it wasn't, was it? It was, you know, people like, "Mm." nobody else in our office had had a baby and so I was the first and they were like, oh, well, you know, if you start doing it, then other people are going to want to go part-time and we can't be having that a workforce of flexible women no thank you so I'd I'd quit and actually stupidly gone back to them as a freelancer earning more money I was like fine okay I'll <laughs> do, 
you can pay me more to come and do less hours for you. That's fine. And so I'd kind of, yeah, dabbled with, with the freelance PR stuff when I was pregnant with him. But like life wasn't as busy, whereas now I'm writing, I'm on tour. So I'm now, I go, yeah. uh, I start my stand-up tour or officially in September. So he's into childcare a lot earlier than the other two ever were. And I've been, you know, working around him and I've been going away at weekends and... So yeah, I'm very different and I'm a lot more relaxed. And I think you do, you ease into it, don't you? And you realise yeah. that, you know, certain things that you think are just, you know, make you the world's worst mother first time round, actually, third time round, you know, it doesn't, you know, been weaned on a sausage. I don't, I don't think Jack had had anything like that until he was about three. <laughs> I don't think Jack, Jack, Jack didn't have a pack of chocolate buttons till he was two. And then um, Evelyn was like, can you know, try a bit of my Easter egg? I was like, yeah, go for it just a little bit so it doesn't choke. You know, it's just, you do, don't you? you just like, oh... <laughs> Everything that I think, you know, thought was going to kill them, it, it isn't. It's fine. Yeah. You know, you know, they're fairly resilient little people. They're humans. You yeah. know, it's it's fine. So yeah, a lot more relaxed this time around. Good. It shows in him as well. He's so chilled. And I think it's possibly because we're really chilled. You know, he's happy to yeah. go to anybody because he's, he's been palmed off on the grandparents. He's been palmed off with friends who've looked after him for me. Well, I've had to nip off and do work things. And he's just, just a happy little chap. He's just like, I'm just happy to be here, guys. So, you know, don't mind me. Yeah. Yeah. And we end the podcast with you completing three sentences. The first one is being a mum means. I'm going to go with the world. I, do you know what? They... I think made me a better person. They have motivated me. They have completely changed my life. And I just feel that there is no greater joy. When everything boils down to it, there is all the things that I've have done thus far that have been, you know, great achievements and I'm so proud of. But what it all boils down to is probably the thing that I'm most proud of is actually my three little people. I reckon yeah. it's that bit soppy. No, it's perfect. And also, I think when you are stuck in the rut of the mundane, of the day-to-day and trying to get people to continuously do stuff or say no all the time, whatever, it's good to just stop and just to take all that noise away and just see where you're at. Yeah, exactly. And I think and kids are brilliant for that because, like you said, you know, yeah. they're the first ones to ground you. They're the first ones, you know, when everything comes down to it, I would stop everything that I would do now in a heartbeat. Mm. Yeah. Next sentence. Since having children, I have not slept a lot. <laughs> I've not slept <laughs> a lot. I loved sleeping. Sleeping was like my absolute favourite thing. I was so lazy before I had kids. So lazy. Oh, my goodness. Go to bed at like 11 or something. I just get up at about two or something. It was the weekend. Just, just cash. That was it. I just sleep my life away. And people be like, I'll sleep when you're dead. I'd be like, I don't care. It's lovely. I enjoy it so much. Don't do that anymore. And I do miss it quite a bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I'm happy when? I am happy when I've got a margarita in my hand and my baby's all <laughs> snuggled in. <laughs> Drink responsibly. <laughs> Sophie, just remind me, so the tour, a lot of it is sold out. Yeah, so the first run, so September pretty much through to the middle of October is sold out. And then we added on 50 more dates to that. I know, I know, it's mad. So actually, we've loads of shows in loads of different places. So some of the cities that I was sold out first time round, 
uh, we've added bigger venues on. So if you Amazing. go and have a yeah, go and have a little look see, and um, so it's all all on my Instagram that you'll be able to find it. And, and Mother Hens, when is that coming out in paperback? Oh, that will be March next March year. March next year. So it's yes. out now in hardback. Out now in hardback. Yes. Or in or, Kindle all, and all those yeah, places. Everywhere where you places. can get books. All the places. Yes. Libraries and whatnot. Perfect. As well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. It's been nice just to sit down and have a nice time. I know, isn't it just? <laughs> thank you. Oh, no, thank you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.